welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Rich and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Tell me the time. It's 3.46 a.m. in Stockholm. Bleep this thing. Tell me the time in Seattle. Right now, it's 6.46 p.m. in Seattle. And that explains it, folks. Welcome to episode 71 of the SharePoint podcast. Tell me a joke. Why was the calendar nervous? Its days were numbered. And it didn't cheer me up that I'm awake at 4 a.m. in the morning in Stockholm. I'm visiting the European SharePoint conference here. I've just finished a hackathon. I was at the keynote this morning with Jeff Teeper and Seth Patton and Bill Bear as well. They rocked the house, showing some really cool scenarios for kind of the future of SharePoint and OneDrive, and especially the hybrid side of things. So I had worked on my feet pretty much all day and did two sessions on Office add-ins and did the hackathon. But um, it was really good fun, but um, jet lag is definitely getting the better of me to the point where I can't find where in the world Richard Desiriga is to record this intro. And I'm doing this solo, talking to Cortana for company. So thank you for joining me, Cortana. And for those that want to know me the weather, tell me the weather. It's currently 45 and clear. Well, I guess it's not too bad. At least it's not raining like Seattle. So this week, it's um, been a fun week catching up with everyone. We had a really good laugh at the MVP Summit as well. But there's been some really cool articles, as usual, on the blogosphere. And so... But the first one really being um, an update, we are getting very close to the unified API going into production. And so one of the blog posts, again, you'll see where we're notifying you of changes is an update four on the Office 365 unified API. This one actually went live at noon PST on the 9th of November. Remember, it's a beta endpoint, so we do have the right to change these things. And what this one did was essentially with this update, all the unified API responses will return using the lower lower camel casing for all namespaces, entity types, complex types, and property names. Um, and requests may be case insensitive. Uh, there is a large number of renames and property removals in this update. The chief ones being a rename of the object ID to ID on the directory object entity type. This impacts a large number of the existing entity types as it is a base type for the many entity types. And a rename of the entity type tenant detail to organization and a rename of any entity type item to drive item. So there's a bunch of stuff there that you have to go check out. So please go and check those things out and um, take a look at the definitions there in that blog post. Obviously, our end documentation, all the samples will kind of react to that. Um, and that's just kind of all based on the feedback of what we had. And hopefully you'll see that we'll be trying to communicate things as best we can on the beta endpoint via the dev.office.com blogs. The second one is the PNP group have done their monthly release. So this is the November 2015 release. And with this release here with the developer patterns and practices, you'll see now that they've got a ton of samples in there now and that they've been kind of refreshing and updating these things as they go. They are still doing their weekly videos and this week they did it on the partner pack, which is why we have Paolo on the show. So I won't go into too much detail on that one. 
And um, the other thing that they've done is just to kind of point out that they started to put a bunch of PNP repos in separate repos to kind of make it easier to do release management and kind of fork certain things. And so the, the core library there and the guidance pages and the PowerShell commandlets and the office add-in samples and the uh, partner pack and then the core PNP for all the SP add-in and Office 365 unified API samples are all there. The provision engine has had a major update, and we'll get again. We'll talk about this in this podcast, but it's really impressive if you haven't used that before. And there's a bunch of other updates in there as well. So the community is trucking, and um, the list of contributors is getting longer and longer and longer. And obviously, the core people that work on this every month is also getting there too. And um, it's pretty amazing the traffic that they're getting on this thing in a month. So um, a big thank you to everyone that's involved in that, and go check out that blog post for even more details on the steps on how you can get involved and how to consume the stuff and all the latest updates and video training and, and weekly updates and so forth that the VESA and the PMP team put together. And then also um, CJ or Chris Johnson, mainly known as the uh, deserter from our team that left to join a startup. I'm only joking, mate. We were teasing him at the weekend over dinner with his wife um, around, around that aspect. He actually did a Microsoft Cloud show podcast uh, with Andrew AC with their wives. So uh, Meredith and Vicky did a podcast where they'd never met in person, but they had a Skype call between them with video and the conversation was recorded for half an hour. They, CJ and AC had like put some comments together and it was quite funny hearing them talk about what they thought these guys did for work, what they get up to at conferences, what their groupies are like. Uh, what they thought the cloud was and how they use the cloud and it's quite a quite a gig also if you're interested not wanted to listen to something to technology focus for a change you want a break it's a really cool episode it's episode 100 of the microsoft cloud show um but cj's written an article here on simplifying office 365 unified apis called calls with postman and off tool and so he kind of works through there's a tool called uh, gethostman.com and what this tool does is it essentially it, it works where you can just kind of grab it down um, into your browser as a, and in this case, um, you can get it as a Chrome, Chrome add-in. And what it does is it allows you to kind of call the APIs and test it a little bit like Fiddler, but it does some other neat bits and pieces too. So um, you can go and check that out now. And essentially, there's Postman 3 is available, and you can just kind of put in your requests, and um, you can pick off 2 from the drop-down, and then there there's some instructions on how to register an app in the client domain secret for an Azure AD aspect, and adding the reply URL as getpostman.com slash oauth2 slash callback. And then you'll be able to just test your APIs just like you would in code, and but you get all the output directly in that Postman screen. So it's a great way of kind of rolling through your APIs and, and seeing how what that response is for the API and all the um, headers and different things that go on. So that's that's pretty cool. And then uh, Jasper has got a blog post about getting started with Yo Office for hardcore C sharp devs. So. There's a few instructions in here on um, you'll need NPM to install globally, Bower, Yo, Generated Dash Office, Gulp, and TSD, which is a TypeScript definitions. And then you'll be able to run Yo Office in the command line, answer a bunch of questions. But you will need to have uh, Git installed and available at the command prompt and um, Visual Studio Code. 
to be able to run this generator and, and basically Jasper's just explaining what you have to do there and explaining how you can host those websites locally on your local host using gulp space serve static and then there are some things you need to change in the manifest file for you to upload that into um, office client in the windows if you're using like a trusted add-in catalog with a shared network folder on your local machine or if you go and upload these things into the adding catalog um, inside of a SharePoint or inside of managed add-ins in Outlook. So there's a bunch of helpful information there by Jasper. And we've kind of taken this feedback online. I've submitted issues in the GitHub repo for the generator office in the office deg org account. So we had to see um, that we're going to be improving those readme instructions so that we don't just assume that everyone knows what NPM uh, and that is and that um, you'll have more information to get started so that you don't get those errors where TST doesn't install properly. So apologies for that. That is definitely on us to do it to a better job there. At the hackathon, it was really interesting was um, a lot of people were using it because they wanted to learn um, about Yeoman and NPM and Bower and so forth that they kind of get hidden by in Visual Studio and people enjoyed that flow. So that was pretty cool. One other thing that um, they've also done is um, essentially we're tracking the downloads and usage of the Yeoman generator. And right now um, we can see that we've got up to 562 downloads a month for the generator, which is pretty impressive. So you can see that by going to the NPM package manager and, and seeing who's pulling that down from a Yeoman call. And we had 30 downloads in the last day. So that must be all the people from the hackathon pulling it down 150 downloads in the last week and 552 in the last month. So we are getting a bit of tracks around the generator. It's pretty exciting because it did start off um, for myself on a, a Saturday on the weekend one time, cracking open a beer and trying to replicate what the ASP.NET team had done with the Yeoman generator and get it going with our stuff. So it's got some legs now. Andrew and Warnock Master Cars have been doing some great work around the quest there. So big thank you to the community for getting behind this. And hopefully now we can get engineering to pick this up as a, an official tool and have this grow and grow and into some really cool things. And then lastly, um, we had something from uh, the Firehose blog, which Microsoft host on blogs.microsoft.com slash Firehose. It's a good way of keeping up with Microsoft information. I kind of add this to my Flipboard feed, which I then flip through. So if you're not part of my Flipboard for Office 365, um, that is available in the show note links. Um, but if you go to Flipboard in your um, in your iOS or Android or whatever the heck mobile device you have, it is 4 o'clock in the morning, so I'm stuttering a little bit, and I can't even type this in my browser right now. But if you go and get that in Flipboard, what you actually find is that I kind of post all these links that we talk about in the show, along with other things in there. And so there's a magazine that I have that actually um, will help in the sense of kind of tracking this in, in Flipboard on your own thing, and you can follow the magazine and you can like it and so forth. And it's just a really nice way of, of keeping up with what's going on in the world of, of Office 365. Right now, if I look at that magazine, you'll actually see that we have um, a bunch of people following it. So 109 followers, we've had 218 articles over the time, and there's a heap of people that flipped certain articles I've published in there as well. So it's a nice way of keeping up with what's going on in the world of Office 365 if you already use Flipboard as a way to kind of uh, get around. Um, also, the community swag boxes, there's been a bunch of people, if you follow the fat hashtag Office365Dev, hashtag swag, you'll see people posting pictures of what's available in the box, and we're encouraging people to take photos of the people wearing 
said swag or putting the stickers on their laptops or holding the mugs with coffee in it and so forth. Um, you can still request a swag box for your user group if you're speaking about Office 365 development and um, we'll ship your box. You just need to send us physical proof that you're actually giving this stuff away and not just keeping it for yourself. Um, go to dev.office.com slash blogs and do a search for um, the post with a swag mentioned in it. And there's an email address you can send your address and details of your user group, your URL to user group and so forth on there. So um, please, please check that out. And then um, from there, this uh, going back to the Firehose blog post, which I totally diverted on there, is there's a new uh, plugin, which is free for PowerPoint, but it was built by the Microsoft Garage called Social Share. And what this does is it makes it easy to distribute slides and decks to more people through social networks. So uh, what the way it works is, um, is once it's installed, you can share slides and decks to Facebook and Twitter without leaving PowerPoint, post them as an image, album or as a video this can come in handy for anyone who has presentations or part of one they want to share to many people now what's interesting here is is that this is different again um, from what docs.com is so there's a lot of experimentation going on around these things and what's even more interesting is that this is a not a um, an office web add-in that we've been pushing this is also an old approach so you can see that even we have some of the, the problems here on, on these things too. But you can go and get it out at um, www.microsoft.com slash garage slash app social share. And then you can just see here that I can download it as Windows. Um, and the reason it's downloaded as Windows is because they didn't build it as an Office web add-in. So if you do, they get social share here. Um, they've got it hosted in Azure website. And you'll have to upset some times and times and conditions and it downloads a .exe. So certainly shows an example of where Microsoft's a big org and they're not aware of uh, the different ways you can build Office web add-ins, but it could come in useful for you. Um, so definitely go and check out that social share as well. So on this week's show, I have Paolo Pilarsi. Totally screwed his name up there. Very common of me to do so, but it's a really good show. It talks about the partner pack that's just been released. It talks about the provision en- engine and so forth, and hopefully you enjoy the show. We're going to have Chris O'Brien. I'm cornering him when I wake up tomorrow oh, on Thursday, actually, to talk a little bit about his sessions that he did this week at the European SharePoint Conference. So I'm hoping you're looking forward to the show with Chris, but this one is a really excellent show. We know the PMP stuff is really awesome as well. So with that, tell me another joke. How about a science joke? Have you heard the one about the sick chemist? If you can't helium and you can't curium, you'll probably have to bury him. Okay. Her jokes really suck. And with that, I'm going to try and get a little bit more sleep so I don't look like a zombie tomorrow for the keynote with Dan Holm at SharePoint Europe. But um, enjoy your time and I'll speak to you next week. Okay, so I'm here in Stockholm. We uh, just came out of Jeff Tieper, Bill Baer, and Seth Patton's keynote where they were talking about OneDrive and SharePoint Futures, and there's some really exciting things that they showed. The demos I thought were pretty cool in terms of highlighting what's available now in OneDrive and SharePoint, and especially was impressed by the the Delve integration with the hybrid scenario with SharePoint Server on-prem, which was really, really nice and a lot easier to set up than I remember when I was a consultant when SharePoint 2013 was touted as a, a hybrid story. So they definitely listened there. And um, I was sitting in the speaker room and, and saw Paolo and was like, oh, I've got to get this guy on. He's uh, kind of very, very testament and, and, and deep in the Office 365 PNP stuff that's been going on. And I know him and Vaser and a bunch of others have been working on 
um, the partner pack. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. I am um, sorry I didn't get to do this with you last week at the MVP Summit, but it sounded like you guys had a really good time there and enjoyed all the content. Yeah, we did, and we were very busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, we, I kept seeing us crossing paths in different buildings as you were walking around Vaser and meeting with different teams. So exactly. that that was pretty cool. So you're based in Italy. Yes, I'm based in Italy. But you travel a lot. It seems yes. I travel a lot and I use a lot of Skype for business as well. Yeah, I do a lot of consulting for companies all over the European country, uh, basically, and I support uh, those kind of companies to uh, migrate uh, uh, or to embrace the cloud, the Office 365 offering, by transforming their solutions from the old model, the full trust mode, yeah. uh, to the new one, to the SharePoint added model, and to the Office 365 uh, application model. And and so, have you traditionally been a SharePoint developer for a long time then? or Yes, since uh, about 12, 13 years ago. Wow. So, so you were doing farm solutions, sandbox solutions, yeah. add I tried all the flavors, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, are you seeing a lot of demand for this now in bigger customers where they want to move to SharePoint Online and moving to a model that's safe for them to do so? Yeah, uh, I do support them moving, and uh, it's a big challenge to help customers find the right way to uh, upgrade or better to transform their solutions from the old school to the new one. Yeah, yeah. And and so, how did you get involved in PNP? Like, did, did you know Vesa beforehand, or was this something you just kind of wanted to help chip in on? The first time I met Vesa was uh, uh, when I did the MCM training, and after that, uh, uh, because I am an MCM, uh, we kept in touch. Yeah. And when he came out with the PNP project, I started uh, to contribute to the project as a community uh, man, as like as all the other people can do, yeah. by submitting pull requests and uh, contributing to the project. And in January 2015, I became uh, completely involved in the core team of the PNP uh, staff. Yeah, yeah. So that's you. Who else is in the core team? Uh, me, Erwin Van Hooven, yeah. and uh, also Radia Atanasov as the external people. Yeah, and like non-Microsoft people non that are heavily people, involved. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And your, lo- your latest big thing from a core team perspective has been the, the partner pack. Yeah. So what's in the partner pack that maybe people hadn't seen before? Well, the Partner Pack is a, a new project, a new solution that we released uh, just a couple of days ago in the PNP offering. And basically, it provides uh, a sample for partners or big enterprises about how to leverage the PNP stuff, like the core library, the provisioning engine, and all the uh, solutions that we provide, all together in a unique package that you, that you can uh, pretty easily set up because we provide a guidance about how to set it up. And uh, we also provide some PowerShell script to set up it and the uh, basic uh, functionalities and capabilities uh, uh, provided by the partner pack are the uh, capability to create site collections and sub-sites based on a template so you can use the uh, PNP provisioning engine that we provide to save a site as a template and reuse that template to create multiple copies of the same site. Whoa, whoa, whoa. okay, I didn't know about this. Uh, so you can point an existing site, yeah. generate the template the template which what formats the template in the template uh, from a pnp engine is just uh, a representation uh, from a domain model perspective of the artifacts you have i mean uh, content type lists libraries and yeah. all the stuff that you can define not including the content we do not move the content we simply move the artifact definitions right. from one source site to any uh, target you want to have so is that xml that gets but defined? you can also yeah you can also save an xml file or a json file it's up to you right. we don't we, we 
we don't care of the serialization format. We do support uh, XML and JSON so far, but you yeah. can do whatever you want. Okay. And in the PNP partner pack, we save an XML file that you can reuse uh, to apply the same template on uh, uh, multiple sites. Wow. One key uh, and killer, I think, feature of the uh, provisioning engine of the partner pack is that you can also apply a delta. So let's say you create a site, you yeah. define your libraries, you save it as a template, and you create multiple sites based on this template. Yeah. Later on, you make some changes on the template, yeah. you save it again, and you can update all the other sites based on the updates you made on the uh, source site. So how is it doing that? Are you doing it like you iterating through the definition and the template and seeing what fields were missing or what lists yes, were exactly. missing? Inside the PNP engine, we do a kind of a delta changes, yeah. and we apply the changes to the target so that we can align and keep all the sites up to date based on a shared template. And, and, and what things do you support? Is it all the possible data types within SharePoint or are there things that are... Uh, basically, we uh, support almost everything, let me say, because yeah. we do support lists, libraries, content types, workflows. Uh, we support uh, uh, the publishing of pages mm -hmm. or web parts inside uh, web part pages or wiki pages. Yeah. Uh, we export and apply security if you want, taxonomies, so a lot of stuff. Right, okay. So for, for a customer that wanted to use this for... Um, dev, test, prod, that would be possible? or Absolutely. And wow. this could be a way of uh, moving your stuff from dev to pre-production to production as well. Right, okay. But in terms of the content, that's the big bit that you don't do. So if it's like Word documents, Excel documents in the libraries or list data, you don't move the list data in a list? We don't uh, uh, move data uh, in, I mean, we don't extract data from the source yeah, site, yeah. but if you want to include data, list items or documents in the template you want to apply, you can do that. Right. But you will have to do that manually because we don't want to grab contents from the source site mm -hmm. and move them to the target. Yeah. It's not our goal. We don't want to uh, be in it's the market of the... Almost a schema type thing instead. Yeah, exactly. That's neat. Okay. And, and then with the templates, would that make sense then when they're created that they get stored maybe in source control themselves? Like when you point at a site, you know, you want to store them somewhere so that you got them there for good or? Well, in the parallel pack, we store them in a SharePoint library within an infrastructural site collection. But the model is open, so you can implement your own uh, engine and the repository uh, is open. So you can simply implement an interface and create your own repository, which could be a document DB on Azure or yeah. whatever else, or a source control system or whatever you like. Right, but you've, you, and I saw this demo actually um, at, at the summit, but it was, you launched this thing from the app launcher because mm -hmm. you've built it as an Azure AD web application. Yes, exactly. And then when you launch that, you're, that's going to go read a library where the templates are stored exactly. and, then, and then list tiles to say, like, these are all the sites you can go create right now. Mm -hmm. And then how does it know what questions to ask you as part of that template? Is that something you can prescribe as well? Uh, we, when, when, we, when we define the, uh, the template, we store them in the library and we make them available uh, through a kind of uh, uh, UI that allows the end user to browse through the available template. Yeah. And we can store local or global templates. When I say local, I mean templates uh, uh, that are related to a specific site collection and available only in that specific site collection. Yeah. And when I say global, I mean at the tenant uh, level. And 
we can provide uh, even uh, multiple templates that, that, that can be applied one on top of the other yeah. uh, to make it possible to uh, apply uh, company-wide level uh, uh, customization on top of all of your set collection. For example, one example that we provide is the responsive design. Right. So if you want to make all of your set collection responsive, uh, you can simply uh, uh, flag an option when you apply uh, the when you create a new site based on a template, yeah. and we will apply on top of your own site template our own that will make your site responsive. Wow. Okay. So, so as a, a service integrator, this is a great way of kind of approaching customers that want to handle site provisioning and in a branding and responsiveness in one way. Yeah. Rather than building this stuff themselves, they can use the partner pack and then immediately get going with those customers on providing those services. Absolutely. The partner pack is a solution which is available on GitHub, so you can get it, you can fork it if you want, you can yeah. customize it, and feel free to do that. We, we and and did, so have we, has this been done as a, its own separate repo, or is it part of the PNP... It is in a separate repo because yeah. uh, we decided to use the uh, monthly release, uh, the new get package that we monthly release of the uh, PNP core library right. instead of using uh, the uh, developer branch. Yeah, so yeah. that the partner pack, our goal is to have the partner pack as a solution which is stable, reusable, yeah. and ready to go for you. Okay. So as a partner, like when you pull this down, it's going to use the new get package as opposed to the core libraries that are in the branch. Uh, exactly. We use the NuGet package as like as the partner can do with the uh, core library by yeah. themselves. Yeah, okay. We, That's we cool. We want to be in the same uh, scenario of the partners. When and and whereabouts is that on GitHub? What's the best way to go and navigate to that? Uh, well, you have to go to GitHub slash Office Dev slash PNP Partner Pack. Yeah. And there you will find it. Cool. Have you got the internet here? Can we see whether people are forking it already? Because I know it's um, the PMP stuff's been really popular. Probably just a few because we launched. We the literally only just announced yesterday. It, right? Yeah. Let's have a look. Just a few. Just ten. Oh, that's so ten. Four. That's pretty impressive, yeah. though. <laughs> um, Less than twenty-four hours. By yeah. Way. Right. And and from a contribution perspective, who's been working on this? It's you, Vesa. Me, uh, Erwin Van Hoonen, and Vesa. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so, is there a roadmap? Is there a vision? With what you want to do kind of moving forward from this, um, moving down the path? or uh, We are still thinking about a V1.1 or V2 of the yeah. partner pack. Yeah. Uh, right now we have just released the V1, so we want to see the feedbacks coming from the field, from the community. Yeah. And we also plan to have some contribution from the community now that we launched the product, the project. Right, so right. We are looking forward for it. So. And, and then in terms of um, what kind of things we're promoting, like the objectives and stuff in here, like you've kind of explained that, but it's, it's mainly about the site provisioning aspect of, of of it. Is there any idea of other things that you want to include in this partner pack other than the site provision? Oh, probably this, this project will be uh, and will stay mainly focused on site provisioning yeah. and uh, uh, WCM and responsive design. Those are the main like the key, uh, key, key features. Killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And so if people want to give feedback, maybe they've downloaded and used it, are you going to be using the issues section of this GitHub repo to kind of collect feedback and Absolutely. potential new features? So as an idea, like, could you explain a little bit about that? Because I'm not sure everyone's familiar with how that works. Like, we do have this for our Yeoman generator as well. But you know, when you go to github.com, if you're in that repo, in the top right-hand corner, essentially there's that issues tab there. And what that allows you to do is you can go create a new issue. And that you could report a bug there, which then like someone from your team would 
get notified and have a look at and you may often like we'll comment on them right but um for a new feature you'll have a discussion with them online in uh, in that github repo is that um in other pnp repos have you have we already had those situations where you've you've collected feedback from the community yeah absolutely and as far as we can see uh, in the uh, github repo we also collect not only uh, bug bugs yeah. in the issue list, but also uh, new feature suggestions. We also use the Yammer network that we have for the uh, Office 365 uh, uh, content, the Yammer IT Pro network, in which there is a, a group dedicated to PNP staff, and we collect uh, feedbacks and suggestions for the com- from the community, uh, both from the issues list on GitHub and uh, from the uh, Yammer group. And then we try to uh, define a roadmap for the core library and for the PNP partner pack, uh, starting from uh, Yesterday, right, say, right. and we will try to uh, provide uh, new improvement, new capabilities based on what uh, will be the feedbacks from the uh, the people using, really using this stuff. Right, and so who did the user interface of the site provisioning stuff, the most recent rev? Because rev? it looks really modern. It looks and feels a lot more like Office 365. Who on the team did that? Yeah, uh, we are pretty proud of it because we uh, use the uh, Office UI fabric to nice. build our uh, UI. So we, we, we are leveraging what Microsoft is uh, providing to all the partners and yeah. to all the developers to create really cool stuff from a UI perspective. And it, it is really cool. Uh, we, we use the uh, navigation bar, which looks like exactly uh, like the one of OneDrive, OneDrive or uh, Video yeah. Portal. So it, yeah. it looks very integrated with Office 365, even if it is an external application which mm-hmm. runs in a provider-hosted model, but uh, it is completely integrated with Office 365 from a UI perspective. So the user experience is really good. Yeah. And was that easy to implement, like in terms of it's just applying a bunch of styles to the HTML elements, it kind of picks up that look and feel, right? Yeah, it is pretty easy to uh, to be used because you, you you find in the Office UI fabric uh, repo still on GitHub mm. uh, all the artifacts, all the HTML, CSF stuff that you can simply plug into your uh, project and use to make your UI uh, more uh, more clear and more easy to use for the end user. So yeah. That's awesome. And so um, you've worked on the core library a bit before, and I know we've had people on the show talk about it in the past, but with the partner pack, what are the key areas that it's actually using at the core library from the NuGet package you talked about? Like what things is it leveraging inside there? Is it mainly the site provisioning methods or? Yes, we are leveraging the PNP provisioning engine, which is part of the core library. Yeah. But we are also using uh, a bunch of the extensions method that you find in the core library, like, for example, the most famous one, which is the uh, execute query try, which allows you to uh, better uh, leverage the uh, CISOM API provided by SharePoint Online yeah. uh, without taking care of the throttling rules that there are in place, because the execute query try will do that for you. Right. And we also uh, use the capability that allow to uh, easily access the uh, object model uh, of uh, SharePoint through the uh, PNP core library extension. So uh, uh, we, also, uh, we use uh, all the uh, core library uh, to improve the quality of the code and to show to the partners how to uh, use the core library uh, by yeah, themselves. as part of a, a separate standalone yeah. solution. To, to be fair, uh, right now, I'm not anymore able to write a SharePoint online solution without using the yeah, core library. Because the core library just does so much for you yeah Yeah, I found like a lot of people are using it because most organizations and there's a bunch of speakers here this week 
every organization has their own equivalent of the core library. Like they all have their own wrapper classes and helper classes. So this is just a good way of like everyone centralizing and sharing. And I have noticed that there's been quite a few people checking in uh, new things into, into that repo as they've been kind of coming, you know, well, we have this helper class and we found this useful in our own one. So let's put it into the core library, which is cool. Yes, big enterprises probably uh, already built some kind of uh, uh, internal uh, development of uh, right. core library of uh, provisioning Does engine. list exist yeah. and all those kind of exactly. things, right? Yeah. But this is done for you, so you, you can and you should use this one because it's a shared one based on the community contribution. Right, right. So The value of all, yeah. the, all the, the community is sharing as opposed to just your little organization of however many developers. Exactly. As Vesa says, sharing is caring. Yeah, so. that's right. <laughs> he's not in marketing, but he seems to be good with all the buzzwords. Um, and then the provisioning engine that's part of the core so you said that you support xml and json from that essentially you're iterating through the site that you you point to and then you're grabbing those definitions of those artifacts and putting those as xml or json and then in reverse you're then just iterating through the xml and the json and creating it you're doing all that with managed code so that's just all .NET code that's doing all that Yeah, so far we use uh, uh, just managed code in the core library to implement the provisioning engine, which is based on a set of uh, uh, object handlers. For example, we have the object handler for content types, uh, the object handler for lists, uh, uh, the object handler for security, and so on. Yeah. So every single object handler provides the methods to grab information uh, from an existing site yeah. and to apply those information to a target site. Okay. And so we, we, we browse through the uh, object handlers and we do the, the magic while getting or applying uh, the, uh, the artifacts. And, and from a, um, a processing execution pipeline, when someone asks for a new site, is that happening in the web application that's hosting those pages that you've built that is the site provisioning partner pack UI? Mm -hmm. Or is it triggering jobs somewhere? Like, What if it takes a long time to create the site and then deploy all the artifacts? How are you handling that? Good question. Uh, from a uh, provisioning perspective, uh, we do the provisioning of a site as well as the uh, extraction of a template in the PNP partner pack using an asynchronous model. Uh, we uh, developed uh, two uh, different uh, jobs Uh, which are uh, web jobs in an Azure web application. Yeah. And there is one job which is called the continuous one, which leverages a very, very nice technique based on a queue in uh, Azure Blob Storage. Yeah. So as soon as you uh, enqueue a message in the uh, Blob queue, yeah. the continuous job will pick up the message and will start its job. That's why right. we call it continuous job. Yeah, yeah. And on the other side, we have a scheduled job, which will do scheduled tasks like uh, uh, creation of site collections or stuff like that. Yeah. And we have to do that in asynchronous because as you said uh, sometimes the creation of a site and the application of a provisioning template onto a site can take a long time yeah. minutes and so we cannot leverage the current thread which usually uh, in uh, Azure websites uh, as a one minute of timeout so we right. cannot do that in real time and so in the UI you're then polling the status of those jobs and showing that in the UI to say whether they're finished or not yeah yeah we okay. provide a page in which you can see what is the status of your running jobs and you can see if they are uh, under uh, provisioning, they are still pending, they completed, uh, stuff like okay. that. And so then my next question then is, and this is always a big one for me, is set up. How, how easy is it to set this stuff up? Because now you've talked about a web application that's hosted, you've got to go and create an Azure AD application to get the client ID to put in that web application, you're going to need Azure web jobs set up, and a, um, a service bus are you using, or are you using... No, we are using a blob storage, but 
you okay, still have similar. to create one. Yeah. So is there a, a solid readme steps on how to do this? Because a lot of that can't be automated, right? And there's no easy way of scripting a lot of that. Yeah, we provide a markdown document, uh, which is uh, still available in the GitHub repo uh, related to the PMP partner pack. So you can follow the steps of the uh, setup guidance if you yeah. want. But we also provide a bunch of PowerShell scripts that you can simply run by providing uh, values for the parameters that they require to, uh, to be executed. And the PowerShell script will do almost everything for you. There are just a few things that you have to do manually because are not still supported by PowerShell. And so you have to, for example, upload an SSL certificate that we use for uh, application uh, authentication uh, from the Office 365 application perspective uh, related to uh, accessing the SharePoint online stuff. But just a few steps have to be done manually. All right. the other steps can be done using PowerShell and following the guidance. So, okay. And the provisioning uh, engine core library what SharePoint endpoints is that hitting? Is it just hitting like the underscore API, the traditional SharePoint endpoints, as well as the admin SharePoint endpoint? And is it what tokens is it using? Is it Azure AD or is it ACS? What's the auth model? We are using the, let me say, the new model based yeah. on Azure AD. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to create the partner pack, not as a classic SharePoint add-in, but yeah. as an Office 365 application. Yeah. Because so you can use it across all of the site collections in your tenant. Right. And you don't need to install the application on each and every site collection in which you want to have it. Yeah, yeah. And we use the app-only authentication model uh, because we want to uh, allow uh, people who are not IT pros to leverage the partner pack to create their own sites and site collections without uh, the need to be uh, administrators of the uh, site or of the site collection. And, and that, that, is that the reason you did the SSL certificate because you're doing app only? Exactly, exactly. Okay. And so in a organ typical organization, they would have to go and purchase an SSL certificate to do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not, you can't really use a, a local sign one for this scenario. Oh, uh, what do you mean? Like, I can't just go and create a certificate locally on my machine and use that for this app only. You should really go and yes. purchase one that's an official SSL. No, you can, you can use a certificate that you make uh, using MakeChart. So it's yeah. up to you. You oh, can you buy can? one, but you can use a MakeChart oh, certificate okay. as well. So you, have, you, you don't have to pay. No, so <laughs> okay. you can do this for free and get it yeah, all running. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's sweet. And then um, I guess then the addition to that would be, um, like, once you've got it running... Uh, you mentioned about the reason. One of the reasons we didn't do this as a SharePoint add-in was because you wanted it scoped at the tenant kind of scope, as opposed to having to install this app in every site collection. Mm -hmm. So, can this site provisioning UI can it create a site collection? as well as a subsite or both or one or the other what's the options both both yeah. you can create a new site collection from scratch yeah. or you can even add a subsite to an already existing site collection yeah. and we did it by doing javascript embedding so uh, uh, from an end user experience you will simply have to go to the site contents as like as you do when you want to create a classic subweb yeah. you will click on the new subweb link that you uh, always have in SharePoint yeah. but by doing JavaScript embedding, we replaced the link under the cover, and so we will oh, brought the user to the yeah, exactly, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so you can all go and create the template for, I don't know, my hockey team team site for the day or whatever, and it goes and creates all the artifacts within that subsite. Yeah, absolutely. Can it do nesting? So when it creates a site, can it do nested sites underneath it, or is that something? Uh, right now, we do one site uh, uh, per time. Yeah. So we do not support a hierarchy of sites. Yeah. You, you have to do that uh, manually. And 
even from the PNP provisioning engine right now, we support one site per time. Not, not the hierarchy. From a, from a schema perspective, from the XML schema perspective, we do support hierarchies. So yeah. if you want to build your own engine using our own and on top of our own, mm-hmm. you want to provide a hierarchy, you can do that from a schema perspective, from an XML schema, I mean. Right, right, right. But from an engine perspective, we do one site it's per time. It's more scoped at the site level. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Well, I'm interested to see um, the interest we get around this partner pack because I think this is a great example of taking a bunch of really good open source work that you guys have been doing and bundling it in a way that makes sense that can be taken to market. Whereas I think before the feedback we were getting was it's quite overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff in there and not really understanding how it all comes together. So having something that's almost shrink-wrapped, ready out of the box for people to use is going to be really neat for our partners out there to go and kind of push this into into customers. Yeah, that was so, absolutely one of the goals of the partner yeah, pack, yeah. Yeah, and so if they wanted to find out more, they can go to that repo. So it's um, github.com slash office dev slash PMP dash partner dash pack. Um, you've just done a weekly call as well. You, the team's on a roll. So <laughs> yeah. you're doing weekly uh, calls and you're recording those videos. So if I went to dev.office.com slash PMP, we can get to that video as well, right? Yes, you will find a new webcast we released yesterday to present the PMP Partner Pack to the community. Cool. Yeah. And I noticed Vesa published a blog post on dev.office.com slash blogs as well, where he kind of explains it in more detail with some screenshots. And Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you got it's great. Like, you're very autonomous. Like I, we, just, <laughs> we give you the areas where you publish and we make sure everyone goes there and you guys are going crazy putting content in there, so it's awesome. Cool. And so this week, what sessions are you doing? What, what are you actually speaking about? Yes, I did a tutorial yesterday about how to create uh, professional uh, solutions, uh, workflow solutions with SharePoint Online. Yeah. And uh, I will have one more session tomorrow, Wednesday, about uh, uh, how to federate applications, native or web applications with Azure AD and Office 365 in order to leverage the Office 365 unified APIs. And one last on Thursday about uh, the security of SharePoint add-ins. Oh, right, so the different, yeah, different total model, formats. Yeah, and the Office 365 one and the SharePoint oh, one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's good content. So I know Chris O'Brien's got one at two today where he's kind of going through the do's and don'ts of Office 365 development as well. I know he talks a little bit about um, some auth stuff in there, but I know he's got a session, I think it's before yours on Thursday, where he's talking a little bit about um, when to use a SharePoint add-in and when to use an Office 365 application. And so it's interesting with the site provisioning, it totally makes sense to do it as an Office 365 application because of the, the scope of what you want to do. But I still think there's lots of scenarios where SharePoint add-ins make sense to be added by a user into a particular site within SharePoint and having that scope and kind yeah. of ownership at that level. So that's, that's really neat. I totally agree, yeah. There are some cases in which you you should leverage the SharePoint add-in. For example, if you want to simply extend one site, if you want to provide custom forms for just one site or just one artifact in the site, or if you want to do something more spread across all the site collections or across the entire ecosystem of Office 365, and Office 365 application, of course, yeah. is the right solution. Yeah, we don't make it easy to do, like, a, go deploy this app to, or add-in to every single SharePoint site in the tenant. So... I know that's something that I was talking to the engineers last week about is how we're going to improve those things in the, the next level of stuff that we announce around the dev model in SharePoint. So I'm really excited that all the feedback that's been coming around the SharePoint Adam model starting to really get collated and the vision that we're going to start announcing shortly is going to come out and start talking a lot more about how we're fixing a lot of the, the things that have been causing people pain. And PMP is kind of, like, I wouldn't say a stopgap because it's really high quality level of things you're doing but the idea is the engineering team are hopefully going to eliminate the need some of this PMP stuff and put it straight into the product which is awesome good cool well enjoy your week here 
And um, when are you going home? When are you back to your family? Finally on Friday evening. Yeah. I'm looking forward. Yeah, Sorry, I'm, but I miss them. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine. Like, your kids look super cute, so I'm sure when you get in the door, they're going to be all over you. So, you know, it's for me, it's I, I miss having all my um, my girlfriend, all my friends and stuff, been going back and having a normal life in my, in my house and stuff. So I'm sure it's even worse with children as well. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks very much, mate. I appreciate you coming on the Foot Show. And a big thank you for all your contributions on the open source world. Like, I just really, really appreciate everything you do. And I'm sure everyone out there does as well so thank you again thank you jeremy cheers man thanks cheers thanks for listening guys and girls make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources you can also check here for more information on our developer program we can get a one year three developer tenant stop building against the office 365 platform we're always here to chat with you on the office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office 365 dev podcast yam Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.